Welcome to series two of Sharing Social, the monthly show that connects the people behind the hashtags with content, ideas, and insights. Starting off as an in-person event and moving to virtual and now evolved into a podcast, if you missed the first series and want to hear from the likes of Will Bonadio from Electric House or Harry Gardner from Nexus PR, you can listen to that series on Spotify or Apple now. This series, we're turning it up a notch or two. It's a collaboration between digital marketing agency, Base Creative, and social media platform we know and love, Content Cal. Each show, we're bringing on a very special guest to share their knowledge and their insights too. And we're not just recording today's episode, we're also broadcasting live on Facebook and YouTube. And for those who are listening live, you can get involved and ask questions to our guests using our social channels, Firstly, on Twitter at ShareSocialLDN and on Instagram at SharingSocialLondon. My name is Ian, I'm founder of Base Creative, and I'm with Becca, who works with me as a social media consultant. And we've got all round social media super bod, founder of Content Cal, Andy Lambert, who is a guest on an episode of our last series we loved so much, we invited back as a permanent slot for this series. But today, the hero for this episode is Nada Alkutbeat, social media leader for Europe, Middle East and Africa at IBM, who we'll hear from in a few moments. And I cannot wait to get Nada's view on social strategy, social content, and in particular, influencer marketing, because that is the theme of today's show, successful influencer marketing and strategy building. Now, probably a good time actually to bring Andy, to bring you in. That smiley, hugely energetic face of Content Cal, and you're on plenty of videos and do a social media roundup. I mean, it's as if I can't get away from you when I put uh, on LinkedIn. So you've also taken that. a live, st- that's okay. Uh, no complaints from me, not yet. Uh, you've taken a live stage, virtual and in real life. What is it like being such a famous influencer? Oh my word, Ian. No, we're not going there. Uh, <laughs> so no, um, yes. Um, Either way, I, I'm just pleased that people want to listen when I'm very excited about certain topics and yeah, people seem to want to follow. But either way, um, yeah, it's not detract from who's the real star of this show, as you say. Nada, <laughs> thank you. Thank you so much for, for taking the time out of your likely very busy diary um, uh-huh. to have a chat with us because I think you've got such brilliant stuff to share just uh-huh. for everyone's kind of just for everyone's background, really. I mean, what, you've got nine years experience in digital and social um, and a really interesting career, like even before IBM, but particularly within IBM. Um, but before we get into that, how are you doing? Most importantly? Oh, thank you so much. Um, I'm doing well. Thank you. I'm, I'm delighted to be here. Thank you so much for the opportunity. Absolute pleasure. Absolute pleasure. So your, your current role, social media leader, um, that was that's a fairly new role for you right this is about six months into it so well firstly belated congratulations and <laughs> I'd love I'd love to hear a bit around like how your career particularly in IBM has led you to to this place I think it'd be fascinating for others to know that oh absolutely thank you so much um so yeah absolutely so I am new in this role so I am the social media leader at IBM and I cover the Europe Middle East and Africa regions um and yep I started this role just um in March this year Um, And prior to that, I was a social media strategist at IBM in the UK for four years. So I did that role for four years. And then for four years before that, I was a a digital marketing strategist also at IBM in the UK. Um, So, yeah, so very new in this role. Um, In in this role now, I'm essentially responsible for the overall direction and social strategy um, at IBM and EMEA. Um, basically whilst ensuring that we are aligned um, t- with the IBM global social discipline. Amazing. I mean, it sounds like an absolutely massive role. Um, can you give us a bit of a flavour for, you know, what your kind of day-to-day looks like? How big's the team? How big is the kind of influence you need to make within, within or the impact you need to make within IBM? Yeah, absolutely. Um, So I essentially work with um, about 30 social media practitioners in EMEA 
Um, EMEA covers um, nine markets, about 122 um, countries, um, but I also collaborate and work really, really closely with the global social discipline team um, and also uh, various disciplines, um, comms, brand amplification, and obviously marketing. Um, so in my role, so everything I do is all around kind of building brand relevance um, for IBM and driving growth. Um, so we are focused on um, various projects, you know, experimenting and running pilots, um, editorial councils and, and running our influencer marketing programs. Um, so in terms of my day to day, it does look very different every day. Um, so some days I am focused on kind of our running experiments and pilots. Other days I'll be building the social strategies for our events and signature moments. Um, and then other days you'll find me working on our editorial council and influencer marketing campaigns. That's incredible. I mean, it seems like such a massive role to me. So, I mean, have you found it a, a bit of a transition from going out of the, because I guess in your previous roles, getting more involved in the kind of day-to-day -day piece? I know you've been a strategist all throughout it, but more involved in the day-to-day -to, -day to taking more of a leadership oversight position. Has that been a bit of a transition for you to, to get to grips with or how have you found it? Yeah, absolutely. Because I think um, I think the, the biggest change is doing less execution um, I, you know, I, I, of course, I still kind of work on building our social strategies, which which I did in in the previous role as well. Um, but I think that is probably yeah, the biggest difference. Like I feel like I'm working on fewer things at the moment, um, on fewer calls, um, but working on like bigger, more strategic projects. Um, and it is challenging. Um, obviously, kind of my experiences in digital and social media marketing, and I'm confident when it comes to social media. But I think it's um, there's lots of new things that I'm kind of um, involved in at the moment and kind of just different projects. And it does. It, yeah, it, it's I do feel like I've been pushed outside my comfort zone and it is challenging, but I'm also mm -hmm. really enjoying it. Um, I think the other thing that's different and new is also um, obviously I spent kind of eight years working in the UK um, with the UK market. Um, and now I kind of cover and work with colleagues across 122 countries, across nine markets. And um, I think that's been one of the, the greatest things actually in this role is just getting to learn more about the different cultures and languages and different teams and their norms. And um, so that's been fascinating and um, yeah, really enjoyed that aspect. I bet it has. Yeah, been incredibly eye opening, I bet. But yeah, no, it's a fascinating role. And as I said, congratulations on, you know, oh, that's, a, that's a long time to be working in IBM and great to, to be progressing it forward. So yeah, massive thank congratulations. Thank you so much. Talk about the, like, the strategy piece, because that's been a constant throughout the course of your career, right? And we often talk about social media strategy at like, you know, you need to have a strategy and lots of people will say that, but like, what does that actually mean? Talk to us about like, what goes into creating your strategy? There's, I have a load of other questions related to that, yeah. but let's try and explore the strategic element in yeah. as much depth as we can. No, absolutely. So our mission in social is essentially to build belief in IBM through relevant story-driven content and ongoing connection and dialogue with our audiences. So basically everything we do in social media helps us build the brand and grow the business. Um, and so for me you know obviously we, we know that social impacts the whole entire funnel um and for me a successful social media strategy is one that inspires through storytelling and advocacy so those are kind of big areas that we focus on um at the moment we are focused on our strategy being audience first so basically always starting with the audience in mind and um, so kind of outside in um, approach. Um, one that is data driven. So really important that we obviously look at the data, understand um, our audiences and also understand what kind of content performs well and why and always being informed and led by the data. Um, and then finally, it's got to be one that is tailored for the platform and the channel. So any content we create, it's not one size fits all. Um, we've got to make sure the content is tailored for the specific social media channel and platform. Um, so in terms of social media strategies, um, some of the things that I personally have worked on building um, have been around our signature moments and events, um, think. 
Um, so both the Global Think event, worked closely with the global team on that, but also last year when I was in the UKI role, um, building the social strategy for our UKI Think event. Um, and for that, our objectives were around um, kind of the four Cs. So firstly, looking at the social channels um, that we're focused on. So which channels we want to be on, which channels we're best to engage with our audiences on. So like prioritizing LinkedIn and Twitter, for example. Um, the second C was around um, champions. So employee advocacy and, and really enabling and empowering our employee advocates to be social. Um, and of course, focusing on in, in external influences as well. And then the third C is around cadence. So I really believe that less is more and it's important that we focus on quality over quantity um, and we have seen when we publish fewer pieces of content um, that it drives high engagement um, and then the, the fourth C is around um, the content so producing high quality content that is social first and tailored to the platform. Very nice. Yeah, I love that that 4C methodology. Is that something that you had personally developed or has it been like part of IBM's kind of mantra? I think it has been part of IBM's mantra. And I think even though we developed that last year, even for our recent Think event, that's definitely been something that we've looked at in terms of less is more, um, you know, really focusing on influencer marketing. Um, and, you know, we, we talk about being, you know, creating social first content as, as something that's really important to us you know, being audience first and audience led. Um, so yeah, I think it, it still is important. It's, it's something that we we all kind of follow in all our campaigns as well. Nice. Okay. So from like the, the strategic element, so it makes sense in terms of how you how you set it up and how you structure it and how you prioritize the those kind of key moments as you describe that that the think event is in this example. So then how do you demonstrate the success of that strategy? What are the things you're tracking and measuring? Talk to us about how you then report that up. Because yeah. um, I think a bit of a underlying theme here that I'd be interested to explore with you is that typically social media and content marketing in general doesn't have the requisite perception across the uh, senior leadership of many organizations, right? So, you know, People say we should do social, we should do content marketing, but it doesn't really drive the strategic ambitions of a business. So, um, yeah, it sounds like it sounds like IBM are not in that camp. But I'm kind of interested to to no, hear that a, from you. It's a great question, and I think for measurement, you know, I mentioned earlier how like our mission and everything we do in socials around like building the brand and growing the business. So, in terms of building the brand, um, the KPIs and the measurements that we'd look at are all around the upper funnel metrics. So that's looking at on-platform engagements, um, which are you know, likes, comments, shares. Um, and I think that's a really good indication that our content is resonating with our followers and audiences on social. Um, and then obviously there's the middle part, which is CX. So that's obviously really important to monitor inbound DMs and comments that we're getting, making sure that our audiences know that they're heard and that we're responding and commenting back um, and engaging in a dialogue with them. And then lower funnel, that's basically around the conversion piece. So traffic driven to our landing pages, engaged visits, um, what percentage of new visitors we're driving through the different social tactics and channels. Um, and then of course, um, you know, any registrations that were driven through the event um, and, uh, you know, responses as well. Really interesting. So it's, yeah, analytics across the strategy mm -hmm. then are a full funnel ultimately. Absolutely. So it's not, all right. So, and then that does that get reported across a business or is it just within like the marketing function where they're interested in in seeing this curious to know like how high level like the the value of content marketing seen across the organization yeah absolutely so i think what's really important is we're able to report back to our stakeholders on the performance of our campaigns um so in this case you know having the tools to be able to look at those KPIs and, and pull those analytics and, and the performance to then share, not only with our marketing stakeholders, but also, um, you know, the sales teams and, and the wider business. Um, so for us, you know, having the tools is really important, being able to pull those re results regularly on a quarterly basis or a monthly basis, or, you know, if it's, a, you know, ad hoc for a specific event um, and be able to show the, that journey. So being able to show this post promoting the think event 
drove 300 engagements per post. Our benchmark is, I don't know, for example, 150. So it's above benchmark. And um, and also you can see all the positive comments um, there and the positive sentiment towards the content. Um, and then in terms of you know tracking the full journey, we track all our tag links. So we're able to then attribute any registrations or responses directly back to that specific social media post. So I think nice. attribution is really important because, yeah, we're absolutely, we've got to show um, the results um, that we're driving from, from social media. Love it. Two key points stand out for me. Clearly attribution because not enough people really think about attribution modeling enough. And sometimes it seems more complex and scary than it actually is really. Because essentially mm -hmm. what I'm presuming you're adding is a, is a UTM, a unique exactly. UTM per each post, right? So it's not, it's not rocket science to do it. Not it's just about, do, it's about doing it really, which is the key yeah. difference. Yeah, uh, and absolutely. then the other, the other piece you mentioned, which I'm a huge fan of is about benchmarking. Like it's so hard to understand in in social. Like, what what does good look like? What what do we expect? Is three hundred likes good? Is twenty comments good? Don't know. Like benchmarking yeah. your own experience is such an important thing because that's how you can level up. I mean, yeah. What do you use your benchmark? Are you just looking at your averages across previous events or? Yeah, campaigns? so that's a, 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 I think that's a yeah that's a great question. So I, I personally would say it's always good to just benchmark against yourself as well like how well your content performed last year so we often would look at things like year-on-year -year improvement um so we'd benchmark against like you know the event in 2020 and, and see how uh, you know how many registrations we drove for that event and um you know the average engagements per post uh, last year versus what it is this year so are we increasing our engagements per post by 10% or 20%? You know, so I think it's always kind of setting up, uh, setting those targets and, and being able to improve against ourselves year on year. Um, I think it's always interesting um, to also compare against, you know, similar accounts as well. So, you know, within whether it's comparing against other markets, you know, I mentioned there's nine markets in Emir, you know, perhaps there are other accounts across the other countries that we can compare um, the performance of our UKI channel with DAC or, you know, Spidgey. So um, I think there's different ways to mm. compare and benchmark. Um, it, it's obviously hard because I think, you know, some, some accounts have different followers and um, it, it varies. Um, but, but I think at least being able to benchmark against your own account, you know, how it performed last year and I kind of like increasing your followers are you improving your engagements per post and engagement rates year on year I think is a, is a good benchmark to do love it that makes a whole heap of sense so before we move on to some of the other kind of important elements that you're, you've been particularly proud of as well because you, you've mentioned influencers a lot and employee advocacy and all that stuff so I'm really keen to, to dive into that before before we do actually what I'm interested in is, is about kind of the culture of social media within IBM and have you seen that shift to become more of a social first organization is the importance of social media rising in importance is it still seen as a bit of a niche endeavor not connected to business objectives because you know yeah. they're as a leading light in the b2b industry right IBM really curious to to understand the internal perception of social yeah no I think it has continued to increase and I think COVID and, and obviously going through, you know, the last um, year and eight months, I think has has shifted things a lot. And I think, um, you know, our, our audiences, stakeholders, sellers and, and clients are obviously a lot, all on digital and all on social. And, um, you know, all the stats obviously show that people are spending more time on LinkedIn and reading thought leadership content. Um, and we know that the, you know, the, the buyer journey is all, all starts, you know, 70% of it starts online. Um, so I think it, it has continued to grow in importance. And I think everybody has turned to digital and social. Um, so we have been really busy in the last year and a half, kind of making sure that everybody feels empowered and enabled and, you know they've got they they've, they've got everything they need to support them to really continue to nurture and engage with their clients on social media um because obviously it became one of the key channels for them to communicate mm. and to continue those relationships um so we you know we we definitely saw kind of a, an increase in in interest in digital and social um more enablement and um 
you know, just pivoting towards uh, being more socially active and, and having, yeah, improving their social eminence. Um, but I think also influencer marketing continues to be important. And I think our stakeholders and the marketing teams um, see that. So um, investing more kind of time and effort and um, resources into influencer marketing campaigns as well. And I think just over the years, I, could, I just feel like social has become so important like if we've got a big signature event or a campaign social plays such a huge part in that and i can really see the difference um which is great to see so yeah it has grown in importance definitely that's brilliant to hear so i mean you mentioned the point about influencers increasing in importance of the channel so that it seems like a very nice segue for where we're going to head next because you know this is it seems like it's been a really key part of your strategy uh, the external influencers piece. So yeah, talk me through like completely, you know, end to end how this initiative started, who, how you're outreaching them, the whole thing, yeah. <laughs> if you can. <laughs> well, I'm really, I am really passionate about influencer marketing and I've been working on influencer marketing campaigns for years, um, both, you know, looking at internal influencers and external influencer marketing. And um, I think, yeah, just in, in terms of the stats, we all know that people trust other people. So 90% of people are more likely to trust peers over trusting brands. Um, we know that influencers can help us build brand awareness, credibility and trust within our uh, target audience. Um, and they can really help us change perception for what we want to be known for or what we want to position ourselves as. Um, and, and also another thing around influencer marketing is they can help us reach new audiences that perhaps we wouldn't be able to reach ourselves through like our own branded channels, for example. Um, and I've had it, you know, through the, the programs that I've been involved in and managed, we've managed to create some of our best quality content, thought leadership content through influencer marketing campaigns. Um, so I just think, you know, every team really needs to dedicate kind of the resource and, and time and effort into working on developing their influencer strategy, focusing on both external and internal influencer marketing. Um, you know, we talk in IBM about how important it is that you focus on the things that will drive the biggest impact. And for me, I think influencer marketing is that thing. Um, so really, really important. And I think from the events that I talked about, you know, think and our various other campaigns, you can just see the results where influencers have helped us drive client registrations for our events. They have helped us drive engaged visits and um, and con, you know convergence. So and helped us drive a new percent, you know, high percentage of new visitors to our landing pages as well. So the results just you know kind of speak for themselves from those campaigns. Um, and so so I, yeah. So in terms of our, I've been working with. Um, running influencer marketing campaigns for, for years since I was in the social role. Um, I think we've, we've come a long way. Um, and, you know, being able to then identify influencers that we turn into IBM advocates and, and build that long-term relationship with a set of individuals isn't easy and it does take time. Um, but my recommendation for teams would be to start small, see the results and then scale um, because I just, that's one of the kind of main key learnings for me for running influencer marketing campaigns. Really interesting. So let's, let's dive into that a little bit more. So, um, talking about how we find influencers in the first place, how, how do you go about doing that? Cause that's, you know, that's 90% of the challenge right there, finding the good people to work with. So yeah, yeah absolutely. So we, we work with a third party agency that helps us identify influencers based on the topics we're interested in. So if we're interested in hybrid cloud influencers, then we're able to identify influencers based on those topics that we, you know, we're interested in and want to be known for. Um, and I think it really does help working with a third party agency to do that because otherwise it, it can be a manual process to try mm. and find your external influencers who talk to sustainability or, you know, quantum computing. So it really is helpful working with the first party agency because they do the identification of the influencers for us. Um, they're, you know, they've got their own kind of, um, you know, measurement around like how they rank the influencers based on authority, reach, resonance, um, relevance. Um, and then we're able to to identify which influencers we potentially want to work with. Um, I think for me, what, what's been really useful actually is introducing those influencers to our IBM SMEs to build that relationship with. 
because often you have um, those individuals would want to connect with like-minded individuals as well, like mm. um, our experts. Yeah. Um, and then it's then thinking, once you've identified the influencers, what's your strategy and plan? So what are you going to do with this list of individuals that you want to connect with? Is it that you want to introduce them to your SMEs or is it that you want to involve them in your campaigns? get them involved to speak at our events or to co-create content. So thought leadership content is another key benefit from working with influencers as well. That's really interesting because it's, that's often a, a massive challenge because there's so much like creative opportunity when you work with someone, right? There's just mm -hmm. so many different ways to collaborate, which is, which is really interesting. But before we go into that a little bit more, um, is there a certain size of influencer you typically work with? Is there a difference in impact that you've seen through people with, you know, hundreds of thousands to millions of followers, if you go that high to those ones that might be a little bit more micro in their influence with more kind of niche communities. Have you seen any difference in performance of those or do you only work with people above yeah following. no we've i've never really set um you know kind of in terms of reach reach is one of the things obviously we we, we would look at but it's it's not absolutely everything so i think for us we've we've worked with both macro and micro influencers um i think for me it's it's really is about selecting the right influencer that is like the expert in that topic so mm -hmm. you've got to pick someone who you know is is a thought leader and and um yeah, and I think the other thing as well to think about is like what social channels are they active on? So if our target audience is mainly on LinkedIn, then I might prioritize someone who's more active on LinkedIn, for example. Um, and also there's a lot on the content, like you were saying about, is it, you know, is it something that is it we want to try doing a LinkedIn live and therefore, you know, want someone who regularly does LinkedIn live sessions? Or is it someone who's a blogger and writes content? Um, you know, so is it someone who's like a keynote speaker? So there's different personas. And mm -hmm. it's really important that you, you look at in your brief when you're, you know, on in your strategy, you think about your objectives and what you're trying to do with the influencers. And is it that you want them to to get involved and to speak at the events as, as panelists? Or is it that you want them to write content and, and you know, write long form articles and blogs? Um, or is it that you want to do a LinkedIn live session or a, a Twitter um, you know, space session um, with them? So, it, you know, they've got all got different strengths, um, different platforms that they're active on. Um, obviously, there's the developer community as well. You know, and it's, it's tapping into Reddit and, and various other platforms that um, perhaps the developers and our target audience are on as well. Um, so I think that's a, a key consideration more than like how many followers they've got. Um, it really is just all about helping us reach our target audience and um, who do we who do we select to engage with um, that can help us position IBM as, as the leader in hypercloud and AI um, and can help us raise awareness of what IBM is up to today. Um, so really, that's kind of the, the key objective there. Mm. Yeah, I'm totally with you on that. So having gone through this journey over quite a number of years in evolving your influencer strategy and just as a side note absolutely with you on that whole kind of channel-led approach because I think mm. it's an underutilized thought process when we talk about influencers because yes they all influence additional reach additional channels so reach beyond what you'd get you know on your own social channels but getting you active on on channels where you're not active already finding someone that has influence on TikTok or as you say Twitter audio spaces whatever that's such a powerful way of opening up a new channel for a business um is using someone that already does well on that channel uh, rather exactly. than starting from scratch um so i love that approach but having had all of that experience then nada like what's what are the kind of main learnings you would take away and what advice would you potentially give to someone who was early on in doing you know influencer marketing yeah so i think for me it's being really clear on kind of like your objectives so that's what i've been coaching the teams on at the moment is you know everybody wants to kind of tap into working with influencers and running influence campaigns um i think it's really important that we're very clear on our objectives what we're trying to achieve which influencers we want to select and and associate with the brand and who are really relevant um and and the other thing that I'm really big on is like co-creating the brief with the influencer. So 
I would say it isn't just about us also dictating what we want to do. I think it's really important that we have that conversation with the influencers because they know their audiences best. They know what kind of content resonates best for their audiences as well. So, and it's a great way to then experiment and you know pilot and try new tactics and new platforms and channels. Um, and then finally, I think it's so important that we also think what's in it for the influencer. So. Um, you know, it, it's, it's thinking about like, is it giving them opportunities to collaborate and meet with our executives or, you know, behind the scenes um, or, you know, sharing with them our announcements or product launches. So it's always thinking what's in it for the influencer um, what will they get out of this collaboration? You know, are they the right person for us to even collaborate with? So all these considerations are really important. Yeah, I like that. I really do. Cause um yeah, just from from our own personal standpoint, we've we have probably made some missteps in the past of just paying an influencer and expecting something to happen. Where actually, when we've co-created content together and been an active participant, and let more of the lead happen through the influencer, and actually, in many cases, potentially not parted with anywhere near as much money for it to happen, yeah. um, because there's there's value for everyone beyond you know, getting paid, I think. So it's a, it's a really yeah. interesting one. It just requires a bit of creativity and kind of that open-mindedness to like, exactly, I'm, I'm saying, basically repeating what you said already. <laughs> now, though, but exactly, like, yeah. It, to, yeah, to understand yeah. You know, what the what that influencer can achieve and the, yeah. the upside for them. Because yeah. I guess the nice thing about being at IBM is that you have so many amazing things you could potentially offer someone. Yeah, exactly. And I think it's such a great opportunity to get creative and to try something mm. new. And I think it's so important that we do that in social. And I think we've got that opportunity to really like just to experiment and try something new and try different platforms, obviously doing your research, but really giving it a go. And I think that's when you kind of learn. Um, and even if it doesn't perform well and we, we fail, you kind of learn from failure and that's how we grow. So I, I really think it's a great opportunity to, you know, really get creative. Yeah, love it. That's a really nice kind of point to move on to the final bit that I wanted to discuss because you you did touch on internal versus external influences. So let's let's talk mm -hmm. about your internal influences. So um when when I actually when I first uh, came to, to hear about you for the first time, you were talking about uh, employee advocacy. So, um, I mean, um, you have a, a gigantic sales team, right? So a huge opportunity to facilitate and mobilize that team. I'm a I'm a massive evangelist um, for the power of of social being distributed across an organization. So, um, give us a bit of a flavor for how this works and how you're evolving your program at IBM. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. So again, really passionate about yeah employee advocacy and kind of um, enabling and empowering our internal um, influencers to to get social. Um, and I think you know they and often they own the relationships with you know with clients and 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 therefore like better position to engage with our audiences on social. Um, so I absolutely think it's so important and so key for our employees to also get social, um, engage with our audiences, um, and also for them to like, you know, develop and improve their own social eminence and presence. Um, so I think it, it isn't easy to do because I think, um, you know, the challenges are you can, you can run loads of enablement sessions and then not quite sure you know who's going to get social who's who's going to do it right so i think you know the approach at the moment for me is to really think about you know the return on investment from everything we do and and how we spend our time and, and being more strategic in the programs that we run so maybe working more closely with a, a specific team on actually creating social content or supporting them in creating social first content um so working closely with our subject matter experts to create vlogs or you know involving them in in, in our marketing campaigns um, and then again you know introducing them to the influencers as well so it, it's kind of integrated into everything else that we're doing it shouldn't really just be like a an add-on and it shouldn't you know it's, it's not just about amplification so it really has got to be authentic um, they've got to want to do it so it's focusing on those IBM is that see the value in being socially active and are keen to build relationships and engage. Um, and again, you know, I mentioned this earlier, I think it's important you start small and then scale so that 
you're able to see the results quicker. Um, and it's also important maybe to, to break down your employer advocates into different tiers. So having like your, you know, tier one, top tier who are like white glove service. So those are the execs or kind of small group of IBMers um, or individuals that you'll do one-to-one -one sessions with, really work with comms to develop a, um, a visibility plan and content plan for them. Um, and then there's your tier twos who are your real subject matter experts, those thought leaders that are willing to be involved in your marketing campaigns, speak at your events and webinars and um, and to help you produce thought leadership content. Um, and then perhaps your tier threes is are kind of like all other IBMers that might want to get social. So it's thinking about how do you scale that enablement? Mm -hmm. How do we keep their skills up to date? Um, how do we engage with them and communicate with them? What platforms? You know, so I think it, you know, we're, it is challenging. It's it's not easy to do, um, but I think we've we've come a long way, um, and I think yeah, we've got huge opportunities there to really tap into and and collaborate with our employee advocates more. So where would you say, because it sounds like you're you're on this journey at the moment, and I appreciate it's a massive, massive task, right? Because there's still a lot of unknowns, because it's still a fairly new discipline, if you will, right? So, uh, and it does come with quite a degree of reputational risk as well with it. Yeah. Um, so where would you say you are at in your kind of journey, if you had to kind of picture it and lay it out as to, uh, I really like the tiering system, by the way, actually, but yeah, where, where would you say you're at at IBM? I think we've, I think we have come a long way in terms of, um, you know, do, running kind of enough enable raising awareness of like what it is and and how important it is. So I think we've we've reached that point, and I think the next stage is um, like just centralizing and streamlining kind of the, the process and the strategy a bit more um, because I think one of the challenges we have is you've just kind of got different teams doing different things on different platforms and mm -hmm. slightly different ways of, of doing employee advocacy in the countries and markets um, which is okay but I do think it's it's good to understand the current landscape at the moment and you know take away some key learnings on what are the things that are currently working well what are the things that we want to continue you know stop start continue doing mm. um and, and then you know taking those insights and and developing an, an approach moving forward in terms of how we we make it even better um and absolutely it does come with risk i mean um you know i think from a brand safety perspective and also just making sure that our employees feel like you know they, they we've got social computing guidelines in place, so that makes sure that everybody adheres to those guidelines as well. Um, by but also you know still feeling kind of empowered and confident to to get social as well. Yeah, that's always the delicate balance, isn't it? Between yeah, between yes, you have free reign. We'd love you to to do it and run with it. Have your own voice and personality, <laughs> yeah. but also. Don't go too far. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Definitely a clear list of uh, do's and don'ts that we'd encourage our PMs to follow. Yeah, totally. I love it. I love it. No, it's, it's fascinating insight. And I really like through everything that you've spoken about, there's a kind of narrative of like starting small experimentation, mm. establishing what works and recognizing that it's all a journey, right? This is yeah. not the final piece. Um, we haven't got it all nailed on but like just working through it and trying to get better with every, with every day. And I, I love that. It's, it's actually quite reassuring when you hear someone um, talk like that from an organization, the size and scale of, of yours, right? Because you realize that it's, it's okay when we're learning every day, we haven't got it all figured out because we're all, we're all trying to figure mm -hmm. this out as we go. Right. Exactly. And um, yeah, I guess this is probably a really nice time actually, Ian, to, to hand back to you because we've been, you know, capturing some questions as we've been streaming this live. So it'd be great to hear what we've got going on. Yeah, I mean, I, I've I've loved that. No, thank you very much for sharing that insight. I think also what resonated with me really well was measurement. I mean, I'm a huge data person. Mm -hmm. um, you know, how 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 you're tracking social, uh, how you're attributing outcomes to an original post. I think is is, is great to hear, um, and also co-creating the brief with influence as you mentioned <clears throat> um you know it's, it's an obvious way forward because as you say those guys are going to know their audience better than anyone else uh you know, if you give them a script it's just not it's just not going to work rather than exactly. letting them uh, write the script themselves um becca you've been listing out uh, and creating some questions as well before the show 
uh, and during the broadcast. Um, what have we got? I have. I just wanted to say thank you as well, Nadia. This has been this has been really, really helpful. And some of these questions mm -hmm. um, you've already touched on a little bit. But our first one is here. So when new networks or types of content like audio spaces, so thinking a lot about Clubhouse or Twitter spaces there, come along, how do you decide if and when these should become a part of your social media strategy? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, so I think with emerging platforms, it's so important that we do audience research first, and then also staying up to date with all these kind of new emerging platforms that are being introduced. And I, I think it just goes down to having, you know, dedicated team to be actually be able to do that analysis and do that research to understand where our audiences hang out you know and i still believe that you know go wherever audiences are at so if, if they are hanging out on clubhouse then let's experiment and let's see if we can do something to again join you know join a join a room and um and collaborate on a specific topic and have presence there um you know if it's twitter spaces and i think you know we're all up for experimenting and piloting um so it really is just doing that analysis and doing that research to to develop a point of view on ibm's approach on Clubhouse, IBM's approach on Twitch and all these different platforms and TikTok um, and, and understanding the platforms as well. And a lot of these platforms are also kind of led by employees. So it just makes employee advocacy even more important because they're not really places for brands to have presence. Um, they're more places for individuals to, to join a conversation and to take part. Um, so that's another consideration. Um, I'm, I'm really interested, actually, in one particular platform, um, and, uh, and mainly because uh, social sharing social had a, a bit of a stint on Clubhouse. In particular, then, what's IBM's stance on Clubhouse? What's your view of it as well? Has it got a future? Yeah, I think so. And uh, I'm trying to. I think we we did a, we ran a few pilots on Clubhouse and um, and to test to test the platform. And again you know, they are platforms to involve our advocates in um, and to, you know, to choose the relevant rooms um, that we might want to tap into and, and take part in, um, rather than obviously setting it all up ourselves and expecting people to, to come to us. So um, I think it's really clear that we're open to, to experiments. So I think if any of the teams are really interested in, um, in joining a clubhouse, then, you know, we'd, we'd look at what that is and and you know how we can support them um in kind of just yeah doing it correctly and and in the right way and getting the support that they need but um yeah so i think it, we, we will we'll, we'll always look at those platforms and think is this a platform that we want to be on is it relevant for us and our audiences um and just looking at kind of like pros and cons um and and just taking away the key learnings from the pilots and the experiments that we run so that we can you know, improve um, further and, you know, in the next experiments and pilots. Yeah, I was uh, listening to a talk this morning and um, it was someone who didn't really use social that much, um, but he has written a book and it's a very popular book, but he, he said, Instagram isn't for me. I just don't take good images of myself or of other things. <laughs> and neither is Facebook for a similar reason. But Clubhouse is just exploding for him because he's a very eloquent voice. You know, he speaks yeah. very well. Uh, and, and, he, and he talks sense. I think maybe that's all, all, all that you need. Um, but it's interesting <laughs> to hear your views about, about Clubhouse. Um, Becca. Okay, so next question is about benchmarking. So what is the biggest challenge that you face when reporting campaign results back to stakeholders? Specifically, what happens if you haven't met your benchmarks? Yeah, that's a really good question. Um, I think the biggest challenge is probably, you know, presenting social KPIs to stakeholders that are not so familiar with, you know, our KPIs that we care about in social. So um, I think that's the biggest challenge when, when we present results that we think are really important in social, like the upper funnel metrics, which obviously indicate if the content is resonating well and they are important. Um, I think often, you, you know, my, when when I presented this before, some some people don't quite understand what an engagement is and what does that mean um, and how do you actually 
you know, track brand awareness and, and relevance. Um, and so I think there could be some confusion there around the KPIs. Um, so I think it's kind of like just educating our stakeholders and what our social KPIs are, what they mean, the definition for them. Um, and also just being able to explain that they are important and, it, and it's not always all about opportunities and responses. Um, we'll get there, but, you know, the social plays such a big role upper funnel and it just having a conversation with our audiences raising awareness of what we're up to today um it doesn't always necessarily mean that we'll convert into you know into opportunities so often i get asked you know how many opportunities did we create from this post um and actually a lot of times it's about the relationships and it's about the conversations that we have yeah and i'm, and I'm sure it's things that don't you can't yet track or measure um you know which can be difficult i'm sure to 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 keep to keep the strategy going i'm quite interested what the pushback you've had then uh, uh at ibm i know you've been working at ibm for nine years eight years yeah um, coming up to 10 years in october was 10, 10 years, years in october yeah <laughs> um what what was what, what was what was it like pushing the social media agenda eight years ago nine years ago um even when you were working more on the on, on digital marketing strategy, but it was a very different landscape and a very different conversation with with uh, those leaders and managers. Yeah, I, I think so. And, and that's why I could really like see how far we've come. Um, and I think, yeah, with digital, so when, when I did the digital role, I sort of spent half my time doing digital marketing and, and social media marketing. And um, and I think you, you naturally will kind of always prioritize, you know, where budget is being spent. And at the time, social was just all organic and and you know just our own social platforms and i felt like we spent more time obviously on kind of our search campaigns and, and paid media um and content syndication and all the other digital tactics yeah. over yeah, kind of own social um and i think with social it, it was really hard because it was like it was like a bonus it was like oh it's nice to have you know if we're able to to do social than grain. I remember at the time as well, like any team could just create a Twitter handle and start tweeting. And um, so I think we've come a long way with social computing guidelines in place and you know very specific social brand guidelines as well that we follow. Um, and realizing as well over the years that it's so important we streamline our presence. Um, having more accounts doesn't mean we'll drive more engagement. Um, in fact, I think you know less is more in everything we do. And I think. Um, that's something that we're seeing more of now. It's really thinking about our presence, you know, if we could start from scratch, what would it actually look like on social in terms of our own social pl platforms and channels? Um, so I think it, it has, it's changed a lot. And I think um, now we've also, you know, got more resource and, and focus um, in social because it is a full-time role. And even within social, there's different disciplines and expertise that's needed with looking at emerging platforms and doing that research, looking at influencer marketing, internal, external, um, editorial councils and content, you know, social first content creation. So, um, yeah. so yeah, so I think it has come a long way. Well, I bet you got a huge pushback when you first mentioned influencer marketing. I imagine uh, even now the word influencer marketing can leave a better taste in people's mouths. So sometimes reference, you know, negative BBC documentaries about someone being scammed or, you know, what little yeah. influencers contribute. Now we're talking about a very different type of people, certainly from hearing your interview with, with Andy. Uh, did, did you get major pushback when you started to even use that term influence marketing inside IBM? Yeah, I, th I think I think the push the pushback mainly came from perhaps people not fully understanding what influencer marketing is and what we're trying to achieve. So I remember spending a lot of time just going through what influencer marketing is, and even until now, like just trying to educate our stakeholders and teams on the stats that I talked about earlier. About we know people trust the people. Influencers have significant authority and credibility in the marketplace and can help us reach um, new audiences that we, we simply can't reach ourselves. You know, just always being able to provide the stats and the facts to support the argument around like why influencer marketing is important. Yeah. And I think with everything I do, I always start with the why anyway. And I think, you know, that's when you'll see people kind of when they really understand it will be like absolutely this is a no-brainer we should be doing influencer marketing and i think even our stakeholders and their sales teams as well um i've had such positive feedback from them when i've introduced them to external influencers and they're like you've selected the right people here that 
are real experts in hybrid cloud and AI um, that we, you know, we should be building relationships with and collaborating with. And they just simply have enjoyed having conversations with those people, like-minded individuals. Great. So the, the data never lies, essentially. You've got data yeah. to back up why this is a great idea. Exactly. Um, I think it helps a lot. Because I think when we first <laughs> when we first started back in the day, actually, I didn't have much data to support the success of right. this, but I just knew this was the, yeah. the the right thing to do. And and I think it also to stick with it because it's it can be really difficult um to see the results and it does take time. Um you don't you definitely don't see results overnight and it does take time to to build those authentic relationships. Um, yeah, because social is about people and it's about the relationships that you, you build with those individuals. Absolutely spot on. Uh, Becca, we've got one more question, haven't we? We do, final question, which ties in really nicely with what you've just talked about actually. So do you have an example of a really successful influencer collaboration that exceeded your expectations? Yes. So, um, so I'd, I'd go back to the example I kind of touched on briefly on Think. Um, so just seeing, so for Think UKI, so we, we worked with um, external influencers um, around kind of data and AI topics and, and cloud. So the topics that we cared about for the event. And um, we worked with just a handful of influencers, like four or five. Um, and those thought leaders and experts basically got involved in the event. So they took part as panelists. We ran LinkedIn live sessions before. So those are the things I was talking about experimenting. It was co-creating the brief with those individuals where they said, I'd like to do a blog and I'll publish this on my newsletter. I'll also offer to do a LinkedIn live session on this topic. Um, and, and that's what worked so well. So we created good quality thought leadership content before the event. Um, the In terms of engagements and those metrics, it exceeded our benchmark for what content we publish on our own branded channels. Um, and also in terms of attribution and that whole measurement, um, you know, we can see that the links we gave them, they helped drive engaged visits to, to our landing pages and um, registrations for our events. Um, so we can just see how influencers you know drove like five times the number of registrations that we, we we drove from our you know own channels um and i think that's a, a big kind of learning and a big successful story where um it really does show how powerful working with influencers can be and that was one of my questions actually i was like well, great examples that's a that's a great one so anyone to uh to finish up on the show, a quick recap on what we've spoken about. We've spoken about influencer marketing, about measurement, how key the data is, and also about strategy. Um, for those who are listening, don't forget, you can get involved for the next show uh, by keeping an eye out for the next topic and live broadcasts and put your questions through our social channels uh, at, on Twitter at ShareSocialLDN and on Instagram at SharingSocialLondon. A big thank you to NADA, social media leader for EMEA at IBM for being on the show today and sharing your insights. Quick reminder, actually, how, how can people get in touch with you, uh, NADA, if you have a question? What, what's the best social channel to use? So um, I, I'm on social media like 24-7 because obviously it's my day job, so I live and breathe social. Um, you can find me on LinkedIn um, to connect with me on there um, and DM me or on Twitter. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm passionate about social media on all social media platforms. Yeah, pretty much all day and outside of working hours, I'm um, yeah on Instagram and, and other platforms as well. <laughs> Thank you very much for that, Nadal. Again, that is a wrap for our first episode of Sharing Social Season Two. We're back next month, and I cannot wait wait for myself, Becca, Andy, and Nada. Thank you very much for tuning in. Thank you very much for listening, and see you next month.